Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 174 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Well, yesterday we talked about CDs, uh, which are an investment type that I had a lot to say about and not a lot that was positive. Uh, but today we're going to talk about another investment type, and that is uh, the preferred stock. And we're going to talk about what preferred stocks are. We're going to talk about uh, exactly when they may be useful for you to hold in your uh, investment portfolio. We're going to talk about what they do and how they compare uh, to the common investment vehicles uh, that we would typically put money into. And so uh, just stick around for all that and more in today's episode. But before we get started, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, then be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to keep you accountable to a financial plan and create a financial plan that is specific to you and your family's needs over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work with Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So we've talked before about stocks, and we've talked about bonds, and we've talked about all other sorts of investment vehicles uh, that we may put money into. But one that we haven't spent a lot of time on, uh, and I may have mentioned in passing a few times, but uh, we haven't really dedicated any significant time to them, uh, is the preferred stock. And the preferred stock really sounds like it would be something that you would want to hold over just some normal stock or the common stock as we call it, right? But that's not necessarily the case. A preferred stock uh, is just different in form from the common stock, and we're gonna talk about all the ways in which that is true. Uh, but the preferred stock is a different security altogether than the common stock is and, and differs in form uh, in many ways, although they do have some similarities because they are both types of stock, right? Uh, and uh, types of stock do have uh, differing similarities that uh, they may hold. but uh, these are significant uh, financial instruments. They are significant um, choices that you may have in your financial life as far as the investing that you do. And I want you to be well-versed uh, in what they are and how they work. And maybe you'll be better equipped to make the decisions as to whether or not uh, they are something that could specifically uh, impact your financial life in a positive way. So in essence, preferred stocks, they straddle the line between uh, common stock and bonds. Okay, they have some characteristics of both and they are typically referred to as hybrid securities because they are a hybrid of a bond and a common stock. And they do differ uh, from each in very significant ways uh, and they do have some characteristics that aren't uh, available to either one, but uh, they exist nonetheless and they should be something that we talk about. Now, in the same way that companies can issue common equity, right? So they can issue shares of stock into the market for individuals like you and I to purchase. They can do that and uh, they can issue debt or bonds into the market and you and I can purchase the bonds and receive some return from the bonds. They can also issue preferred stock. And preferred stock uh, is going to provide you a return in different ways than either uh, stocks or bonds will. So uh, you know, bonds, they pay you some fixed interest payment, right? 
that is the coupon payment. And then they return principal at the end of the life of the bond. That is just how a bond works, okay? And then stocks, obviously, uh, you purchase them for some price. And based on the performance of the company, the price can either go up, it can go down, uh, but it goes on forever. Whereas a bond is going to have some fixed maturity date at which the bond uh, is paid off and ceases to exist. Well, a preferred stock is going to sit somewhere in the middle uh, where the biggest attractant of a preferred stock is the fact that you get a fixed income payment, right? Uh, so when you're talking about fixed income securities, preferred stocks do fall into that category because you are getting paid some fixed payment. But these are not uh, the same in form as the interest payments that are getting paid uh, by bonds. These are typically called preferred stock dividends, okay? And they are based on whatever the uh, par value of the preferred stock is. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, right, let's talk a bit about just some of the uh, highlights of preferred stock and the different types of preferred stock that there are out there. And so preferred stocks, they have a flexibility of payments. So preferred dividends, they can be suspended. Uh, if the corporation has cash problems, they can suspend uh, those dividends and not pay for some period of time. Whereas, uh, you know, with a bond, uh, you have to keep paying or else you default and uh, you're going to get taken to court by uh, your creditors uh, and or you're going to maybe have to file for bankruptcy if the situation is bad enough. Uh, but there is a flexibility to preferred stocks and they are easier to market, right? Preferred stock is typically bought and held by institutions. So it makes it easier to market during an IPO than uh, with a common stock, right? Because common stocks can be heavily held by retail investors. Uh, the preferred stock is going to be heavily held by institutions that want some fixed payment. And so preferred stock is attractive to many people as it usually offers higher fixed income payments than bonds with lower investment per share, right? So you can invest less uh, and make higher interest payments. And then preferred stockholders, they also have a priority claim over common stocks for dividend payments and liquidation proceeds. So what does that mean? That means that before common stockholders can receive dividends, preferred stockholders have to receive dividends, okay? And if the firm were to be liquidated, they were to file bankruptcy and liquidate, uh, the creditors get paid first, then preferred shareholders, and then common shareholders, okay? So uh, they do have a step up in the pecking order uh, of securities in the market from uh, just common stocks. And preferred stocks, uh, they often have a callable feature that allows the issuing corporation uh, to call back uh, the preferred shares, meaning to purchase them off of the market in the same way that you can do bonds, right? You can call bonds uh, at a particular point in time and refinance your bonds. Well, you can also uh, refinance your preferred stock in a similar way. Now, rules from the IRS make it attractive for institutions to invest in preferred stock under what's known as the dividend received deduction. A U.S. corporation receiving dividends from a domestic company may deduct up to 50% of the income from its taxes if it owns less than 20% of that particular dividend payer. So if the corporation owns more than 20% of the dividend payer, it can deduct 65%. But however, the fact that individuals are not eligible for such favorable tax treatment uh, should not exclude preferreds from consideration as an investment. So you can see why an institution may be extremely interested in uh, holding preferred stocks because they can get uh, this very, very favorable tax treatment on the interest uh, or the dividends that are paid, right? But as an individual, uh, you aren't going to receive that same tax treatment. But that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that 
preferred stocks aren't a good uh, investment choice or a good investment alternative that you may need to um, take into account. So there are different types of preferred stock. Okay. Now, uh, in the same way, there are different types of bonds. There are different types of preferred stocks, but there are not obviously different types of uh, common stock other than uh, the voting rights that go along with the common stock. Most common stock is pretty, um, you know, just the same right on down the line, right? It's basically all the same, but for a preferred stock, uh, they can differ in form very greatly. So um, there are many possibilities, right? But basic types of preferred stocks are the following, right? So first you have cumulative preferred stock. So most preferred stock is cumulative preferred stock. This means that if the company withholds part or all of the expected dividends, they are considered dividends uh, that must be paid before any other dividends. So if the firm doesn't pay the dividends that were uh, promised to the preferred stockholders when they were promised to be paid, then they cannot pay anybody else, you know, as far as like the common shareholders, they can't pay dividends anywhere else until those preferred shares get their dividends. Preferred stock that doesn't carry the cumulative feature is called a straight or non-cumulative preferred stock. But again, most preferred stock is cumulative. It is one uh, of their major advantages over uh, the common shareholder. And as I said before, uh, preferred stock can also be callable. Uh, so the uh, company can redeem the preferred stock and pay uh, the preferred shareholders cash, but that must be laid out in the prospectus of the preferred stock that is being sold. Uh, that way the, uh, you know, the investor knows that their preferred stock could potentially uh, be called in the future. But most preferred stock shares are callable. Um, and then there are also convertible preferred shares. And convertible preferred shares uh, are at the discretion of the investor, of the individual or institution that holds the preferred share. They can convert the shares into common stock at some point um, based on whatever the prevailing market price of the common stock is, they can make that decision. Um, and uh, based on whatever conversion price gets laid out there for them, uh, if the current market price is much greater than the conversion price, uh, then they can convert their shares of preferred stock and make a handsome gain by having converted that preferred stock. So um, in being callable and convertible, uh, then they are extremely similar to bonds, okay? Now, preferred stock is also participating, right? So they have a fixed dividend rate. And if the company issues participating preferreds, those stocks gain the potential to earn more than their stated rate. The exact formula for participation will be found in the prospectus. Most preferreds are non-participating. So you could earn more than just the fixed rate uh, that is stated in the prospectus of the preferred stock if uh, they are participating uh, preferred stocks, participating meaning participating in uh, the financial performance of the firm, uh, but these are not uh, as common as I just stated. Then there are also adjustable rate preferred stocks, so ARPS, ARPS, right? These preferreds pay dividends based on several factors uh, that are stipulated by the company. Dividends for ARPS are keyed to yields such as uh, U.S. Treasury bonds or U.S. Uh, treasury yields. So any type of government issue is typically what it is uh, pegged to. And uh, they provide the investor limited protection against adverse interest rate markets. So they allow for the fact that if uh, interest rates were to change drastically, uh, that they're not getting the short end of the stick. But 
uh, on the other end of the table, as with anything that is adjustable rate, uh, as interest rates are worse, then so will the rates be on uh, the preferred shares. So uh, those are the different types of preferred stock. You've got cumulative, callable, convertible, participating, and the adjustable rate preferred stock. Now, let us talk about how preferred stocks stack up to bonds and common stocks. Because like I said, they are uh, a hybrid security. They are a hybrid between common stock and bonds. So it's important to understand what the similarities and differences are. That way we can be better informed if we ever choose to invest uh, in such an asset class as this. So let's start with preferred shares uh, and bonds. And let's look at some of these similarities. Well, preferred stocks are issued with a par value and pay dividends based on a percentage of that par value, just like bonds, which pay coupons that are a percentage of their par value. Okay. Uh, and the market value of uh, shares in, of preferred stocks is sensitive to changes in interest rates. Um, so if interest rates rise, the value of the preferred stock falls. Uh, and that is similar to the way uh, that bond prices work as well. Preferred stocks technically have unlimited life because they have no fixed maturity date, uh, but they may be called by the issuer. So uh, like I said earlier, callable bonds and callable preferred stocks both exist um, and uh, can both be invested in. And that is a way that a company can go about uh, refinancing their debt by calling um, bonds or refinancing their uh, you know, other fixed income securities like uh, preferred stocks by buying back the preferred stock and then possibly issuing new preferred stock at a lower rate. Okay, so that can be the case as well. Then like bonds, preferred stocks are senior to common stock. Okay, so like I said earlier, when it comes to the liquidation of the firm, they are senior to common stock. If everything goes bad and the firm has to be liquidated, then the bondholders are going to get paid. The preferred stockholders will get paid with whatever's left uh, after the bondholders. And then uh, the common stockholders, they fall uh, third in line if there's anything left later on. And they also fall third in line when it comes to payment, because obviously creditors are going to get paid first as far as the interest payments that they are due. And then any dividend payments that get paid to preferred stockholders will get paid before the dividends that get paid to common stockholders. And common stockholders typically aren't even able uh, to get dividends unless uh, they are already paid to the preferred stockholders. Okay, So that is another uh, way that bonds and preferred stock are similar. They are senior to common stock. And then there are also convertible preferreds and convertible uh, bonds, right? So we've got uh, these different types of securities that they hold these same types of provisions, these convertible provisions. So you can convert both preferred shares and uh, bonds into uh, common stock if the prospectus of that particular issue says that you can. Okay. And so that is a provision that can give uh, the investor the ability to take part in the positive performance of a particular company without having to um, you know, take full risk into buying the stock uh, in the first place. They can just uh, hold on to whatever they have that is convertible and then convert when it is beneficial for them to do so. Now, let's look at some differences between bonds and preferred stocks. Well, as observed earlier, preferred stock is equity while bonds are debt. Okay, so uh, preferred stocks are still uh, a, par a part of the equity portion of a company, right? They are uh, still part owners, even though they are not the true owners of the firm. The common stockholders are the true owners of the firm due to their voting rights, but we'll get to that here in a little while. Most debt instruments 
along with most creditors, are senior to any equity, right? So bondholders will still be senior to preferred stockholders, even though preferred stockholders are senior to common stockholders. So preferred stocks pay dividends, uh, and they last for the life of whatever uh, the preferred stock is, which can go on as long as the firm wants to let it go on, uh, whereas a bond has a fixed maturity uh, and is going to pay fixed interest payments, okay? And so it's going to differ just a little bit because uh, the dividend payments aren't uh, something that has to occur, but the bond payments, the, the creditors to the firm must get paid, right? The bond payments have to be made or else there's going to be uh, you know, much interest in uh, seeing what happens to that firm because they have to pay their creditors, okay? Now, while preferred stocks are interest rate sensitive, they are not as price sensitive to interest rate fluctuations as bonds are. Uh, their prices do reflect the general market factors that affect their issuers to a greater degree than the same issuer's bonds. So uh, they, the, the price of the preferred stock uh, reflects a lot more the firm's performance uh, than would bonds, right? Bonds don't care as much about the firm performance because as a bondholder, you just care that you get paid uh, whatever interest and, and the return of principal that is due. You don't care so much about performance, but as preferred, but as an equity holder, uh, performance is the name of the game. And so uh, the performance is going to have a bigger impact on the price. And then information about a company's preferred shares are easier to obtain than information about their bonds. This makes preferreds in general uh, easier to trade and perhaps more liquid than bonds. I would uh, uh, corroborate that statement. And the low par value of the preferred shares also make investing easier because uh, bonds have a minimum purchase requirement, right? Typically $1,000 for a corporate bond. So uh, that's how bonds and preferred stocks uh, line up with one another. Now, what about preferred stocks and common stocks? Well, uh, the, the similarities, it's pretty short and sweet, right? Both are equity instruments, right? Their dividends come from the company's after-tax profits and are taxable to the shareholder, right? So that's what they have in common. And not to mention they fall behind uh, creditors in the line of receiving payment and uh, liquidation of the firm. Now, what are the differences? Well, the differences are preferreds have fixed dividends, and although they're never guaranteed, the issuer has a greater obligation to pay them. Common stock dividends, if they exist at all, because a lot of companies do not have dividends at all, uh, are paid after the company's obligations to all preferred shareholders have been satisfied. So this is where preferreds lose their luster, though, for many investors. For example, if a pharmaceutical research company discovers an effective cure for the flu, its common stock will soar, while the preferreds might only increase by a few points. The lower volatility of preferred stocks may look attractive, but it cuts both ways. Preferreds aren't as sensitive to companies' losses or gains, uh, but they will not share... Uh, in the company's successes to the same degree uh, as the common stock. Whereas common stock is often called voting equity, preferred shares uh, have no voting rights. And so this is a big uh, distinguisher between common stock and preferred stocks is that uh, common stocks do have uh, these voting rights. And that's why I called them earlier the true owners of the firm, right? Uh, they actually get to vote on who the board of directors are going to be. They get to vote on mergers. They get to vote on all these different types of things, whereas preferred shares do not have these voting rights. Now, there are preferred shares uh, that can be set up that have provisions to where if they don't get paid their dividends, then they can get voting rights. And that is um, you know, a, a provision that 
that can be extremely useful to preferred shareholders uh, and allow them to you know, have a voice if they are not being paid in the way that they should be paid. And so, um, but by and large, there are no voting rights for preferred stocks. Common stocks uh, still have voting rights. And obviously common stocks, uh, the, you know, the firm's performance just drives a common stock. As I said a moment ago, the preferred stock, uh, it just doesn't fluctuate as much with firm performance, but that limits the upside potential that a preferred stock can have above whatever fixed dividend payment that you are uh, receiving as a preferred stock shareholder. So then begs the question, should you invest in them, right? Are they interesting enough to invest in? Well, by and large, uh, the preferred shares are going to be very similar uh, in form to bonds. Now, I said earlier, you can get higher payments from preferred shares, which is very, very useful, okay? Uh, but they fall into the same issue that bonds fall into in that they are susceptible to inflation eating away your gains because uh, it is a fixed income instrument, right? You are getting paid a fixed amount and in getting paid a fixed amount, inflation can eat away at that fixed payment because if I'm getting paid $50 uh, every time that a dividend is paid, then uh, I receive $50 today but $50 today is going to be more valuable to me than $50 one year from now or two years from now or three years from now or whatever it may be. And so we have to keep in mind that even though uh, it is nice to get paid a fixed income amount, uh, the amount of income that you're getting paid is going to lose real value over time. So it's just important to understand that. Now, the dividends are, are quite typically uh, going to be far greater than anything you can earn uh, on the equivalent common stock, right? The common stock of those same companies. Uh, but like we said uh, a moment ago, the, the common stock is going to pick up a lot of the performance issues in the company, whereas the preferred stock is not going to be as sensitive to uh, the performance issues that the company uh, may incur or the uh, upside to uh, the performance that, that the company may have. Now, that being said, there are plenty of common stocks that pay, you know, very, you know, suitable dividends that can be interesting if you are in need of income. Now, the then the question comes, okay, when are we in need of income? Well, we are in need of income typically uh, when we retire. Retirement is the biggest place in which income is needed. Now, uh, I don't think that you should hold a large portion of preferred stocks or bonds for that matter, uh, as you lead up to retirement. Even though the dividends and interest payments can be reinvested, uh, the growth of that reinvestment is not going to be as significant uh, as you would have with certain common stocks. And so leading up to retirement, at least, uh, you know, being heavier in common stocks is obviously a good idea. And most investment professionals would tell you uh, the same. It is, it's pretty common asset allocation knowledge. But um, when we get to retirement, actually creating the income that we need and having that uh, guaranteed income, right, that, that can be created no matter what, requires that we take a few more financial instruments into account, namely preferred stocks and bonds. Because if I am in retirement, uh, I care a little bit less about growth even though growth is still important, but I'm more concerned with having enough growth in order to have the money that I need to live, to have the money that I need to continue moving forward in my financial life. Well, 
All you have to do is you just have to take whatever the dividend on a preferred stock is or dividend uh, on a common stock or interest uh, payment on a bond is, right? And see, okay, if I invested this much in there and let's say it's a 5% uh, dividend payment, then how much would I get paid, right? And you can really uh, determine if uh, you know preferred stocks can play a part. And I think preferred stocks can play a part in creating income for you uh, in retirement. But uh, even though they pay a little better than bonds, uh, we know that given liquidation, uh, they aren't guaranteed to pay you, right? You're not guaranteed to get paid in liquidation. Really, nobody is, but you fall second in line behind bondholders. And uh, bondholders have the upper hand as far as receiving payment, right? If the company is a little more strapped for cash, then bondholders are going to get paid first uh, anyway. So uh, bonds can be a little safer uh, in the way of you know getting your payments and being guaranteed your payments than the preferred stock. But that's why the bonds are typically going to offer you a little lower rate. Now, that's not to say that you can't find bonds that uh, provide you adequate rates of return, uh, but it is a little harder to find than finding preferred stocks that will give you adequate rates of return. And again, like I said before, you still need growth in your portfolio even when you're retired. And so when it comes to getting dividends, right, and getting some uh, guaranteed payments into the future, you may choose to buy common stocks with long track records of good dividends. Uh, that way you can uh, continue to receive income off of those common stocks into the future uh, and get the upside potential of those companies, whereas uh, the preferred stocks will not reflect as much upside potential. But let's just say you're interested in like, hey, I just want the income off of them. Right? I just want to have some part of my portfolio that the only reason it's there is to pay me income, okay? And that really comes down to bonds or preferred stocks. Well, preferred stocks are going to provide you a higher rate of return, even though, uh, like I said a moment ago, there are a few trade-offs there. So I do think preferred stocks can be useful in that way. But I don't think you can ever say that preferred stock issues uh, are more valuable to us than common stock issues. Because the upside potential of common stock issues uh, are far greater. And we know that diversified groups of common stocks over time uh, are going to provide us with fantastic returns. Now, diversified groups of preferred stocks over time can still provide good returns, but those returns aren't going to be what the common stocks are because uh, they are not uh, a part of firm performance in the same way that uh, common stock returns are. So if you're looking for dividends, you can look uh, at preferred stocks if, if you want income. But I would say if you are in a place where you are needing to grow your money for the future and get a, an adequate rate of return, uh, preferred stocks aren't great for doing that. Now, if you're just trying to get a little more diversification in your portfolio, maybe taking a little bit of risk off from all of the common stock um, exposure that you may have, then preferred stocks may be a place in which you do so. Bonds may also be a place in which you do so. But again, preferred stocks do have their similarities and differences with both common stocks and uh, bonds. And it's just, uh, you know, going to be up to you to determine the trade-off between, uh, you know, what is worth more to you. Is it worth more to you to participate in the company's growth? Is it worth more to you uh, to receive, you know, first dibs when it comes to payment, you know, with the bonds? Uh, it, or do you just want payments that are higher, uh, but, you know, you don't get to, um, you know, play as big a part in the performance of the firm and you're not guaranteed to get paid upon liquidation or uh, if the firm stops making dividend payments. And so uh, there are just plenty of things to balance out there and plenty of decisions to be made. But I don't think that preferred stocks are bad 
investments. I think they can be good investments depending on what the issue is. Um, but obviously, we don't want to just be putting all of our uh, nest egg into one preferred stock in the same way as you may do with common stocks. You know, you might find a mutual fund that holds preferred stocks that pays a, an adequate dividend to you, or you may just buy a diversified group of preferred stocks of companies uh, that will be able to stick around into the future. Uh, and you can do the same thing with common stocks if you are looking to create dividends um, and the income from dividends and uh, maybe even, you know, buying some bonds and getting the interest from the bonds in retirement. So uh, I think in retirement is probably the best time for preferred stock, uh, or if you're in a place close to retirement where you're taking a little risk off. But just be aware of what preferred stocks are and what they are relative to stocks and bonds. Make the best decision for you uh, and just pay attention to what the potential rates of return could be uh, relative to common stock because they are going to lag common stocks even though they may uh, beat a bond issue. And so it's really up to you. It's up to the type of portfolio that you want to build. Uh, but I don't think they're bad investments and I think they can play a useful part in helping you to reach your long-term financial freedom goals. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, and be sure to uh, subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to stay accountable to a financial plan and build a financial plan that is specific to you and your family's needs, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the work with Dylan tab and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you. And we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in tomorrow as I talk about something that I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for me uh, to talk about in depth and in detail. And that is cryptocurrency. Uh, as big of a, a buzzword as that is in our society today, I figure that it is you know, more than worth the time uh, for me to devote an entire episode to it. Uh, and we can really get down to the nuts and bolts of what crypto is, um, you know, why it is even around, if it is worth your time and your money. And we'll spend a fair amount of time tomorrow really digging into the details. And maybe you'll walk away with a better idea of what crypto is. Uh, and it's not just something that uh, you know, you see going up in value so fast over time, or it's not Dogecoin or whatever you may think. So uh, hopefully it provides some clarity uh, and we can be more informed uh, about these things that are very real uh, in our economy today. So thanks for tuning into today's episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.